Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. So this week's Torah portion is Shemot, which is the beginning of the book of Exodus. And it starts by introducing us to the dramatic biography of Moses, hidden by his mother at birth, placed in a basket and sent down the Nile under the watchful eye of his sister Miriam, adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter, Batya, raised in the royal palace, suddenly homicidal out of anger and injustice as a young man, a fugitive from Pharaoh in the wilderness, married to the daughter, somehow a princess, the daughter of a Midianite priest, and finally, a shepherd in his father-in-law's flock, of his father-in-law's flock. And by the end of the Torah portion, Perhaps most importantly, a prophet who hears the voice of God from a burning bush. Does that all sound familiar? Have you seen the movie? Yeah, right? So we get this incredible early origin story of our hero of the rest of the Bible, of the rest of the Torah, Moses. He has quite a journey in his life from a vulnerable Hebrew newborn to a member of the royal family, and then to an exiled shepherd of a non-Jewish family. Yet in that awesome moment at the burning bush, in that moment when God's voice speaks to him from something that's somehow on fire yet not consumed, he's called to action to free his people, but he cannot even begin to imagine changing. It's incredible to me that someone who had such a crazy, chaotic, soap opera-like upbringing suddenly has this magical, dramatic, miraculous moment of a bush speaking to him in the wilderness, God charging him with the greatest mission in the history of the Jewish people, and all he can do is make excuses. In verse uh, 11 of chapter 3, he first says, you know, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites from Egypt? Then he says two verses later, you know, when I go to the Israelites and they ask me, what's your name? I don't even know what to say to them. Like, what is your name? And then four verses later, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? But they say, God didn't really appear to you, you, Moses. Then a fourth time, two verses after that, in chapter four, verse 10, Please, God, I have never really been a man of words, either in times past or now that you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And finally, even after all of that, a fifth time, in chapter 4, verse 13, he finally says, Please, God, make someone else your agent. Please, God, make someone else, some other guy, make someone else your agent. So five times he protests to God. And each time what's incredible is God tries to assuage his fears. God assures him, don't worry, you're never going to be alone throughout this journey. I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to make sure that I use all of my power, all of my magic and my strength to convince Pharaoh and make sure that your mission is successful. But even though God makes him all of these promises, Moses constantly has some new objection, a new scenario for how things could go wrong. This whole scene at the beginning of Exodus is less Charlton Heston and more Woody Allen. 
Moses is almost bordering on neurotic. This miraculous burning bush is promising him the world, and he is self-deprecating. He's argumentative. He's distrustful. Again and again, he comes up with these not illegitimate, but kind of whiny excuses about why he just doesn't think he's the right guy. The God must have been confused, thought he was someone else. He's not really the one who's ultimately going to succeed. The medieval commentator Rashi says that it took God seven days to finally persuade Moses to go back to Egypt. It's incredible to imagine not this like one mystical, incredible moment in the bush, but seven days of God and Moses hashing it out, negotiating with each other about what's really going to happen in the future. So what finally convinces Moses to go back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh and to lead the people of Israel? Finally, in Exodus 4, verse 14, it says, God became angry with Moses. He'd like had enough. And God said, there is your brother Aaron the Levite. He, I know, speaks regularly and readily. Even now he is setting out to meet you and he will be happy to see you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you and with him as you speak and tell both of you what to do and he shall speak for you to the people. Thus he shall serve as your spokesman, literally your pay, your mouth, with you playing the role of God to him. So immediately after these verses, God finally presenting Aaron as a solution, the text says Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, let me go back to Egypt. So the text has no more excuses, no more protests. We don't even hear Moses formally agree. The minute that God provides his Aaron as a partner, Moses is on his way to Egypt to begin his mission. Having Aaron as his spokesperson, finally assuages Moses' fears of being humiliated in Egypt. It gives him the courage to face the Israelites and Pharaoh. So, and you can, uh, you can raise your hand if something occurs to you, but what does this teach us on the pshat level? Right, like on the basic kind of superficial level, what do we learn from the beginning of Exodus? Well, one is that it's a negotiation. Moses does not blindly obey God's command even when it comes out of a burning bush in the middle of the desert. God plays the role of lawyer and therapist almost, hashing out the terms of the agreement and honestly helping Moses process some of his anxiety. Two, Moses needs a partner. Not just any sidekick, not just a Robin to his Batman, but Moses needs his brother Aaron, a family member. God promises that Moses can do it alone, but Moses does not really believe that. He needs Aaron to be able to overcome his insecurities, his anxiety, his neuroses, and to feel confident that despite all of the practical objections that keep coming up in his mind, all of the pragmatic scenarios that are making him so scared, that ultimately it will all be okay. So then what does it teach us on a drash? on a deeper kind of interpretive level. Rabbi Gunter Plout says that Moses is one of our greatest and strongest models of Jewish faith. He writes that resistance of the prophet to the divine command is a complex fabric woven out of faith and doubt, anxiety and a sense of unworthiness. The Bible does not, does not 
depict its heroes as cardboard saints who answered the divine challenge without even a question. Moses at the bush is at the beginning of his knowledge of God. And while he is struck with awe and even fear, he remains very much himself at the same time. He preserves his right to refuse initially and then to doubt and question continually. He never loses his independence even long after he becomes the intimate of God. Moses is our greatest prophet, albeit a reluctant prophet at the beginning. And while few of us will encounter a burning bush in the wilderness in our lives, although you never know, I hope that all of us find moments of conversation with God as we try to discover our missions in life. When we're in our own wildernesses, when we find these miraculous moments, these openings, somehow in the fabric of reality, may we strive to be like Moses, not running away or pretending like we don't notice, not mindlessly following every command, but struggling with doubt and humility, anger and reverence. Let us remain independent while also offering up a piece of ourselves to the divine. And while we may ultimately be capable of doing it alone, let us reach out to our family and to our community for support along the journey. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>